This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This is the Get Booked Podcast, a weekly show for personalized reading recommendations. This is episode 308, and we are recording on November 30th. I'm Jen Northington, and I'm here with special guest Charity Yoro, and we are coming to you from Book Riot. Welcome, Charity. Thanks, Jen. Hooray! So Amanda (laughs) is away today, and Charity very kindly agreed to come on and do some book recommending. Charity, will you tell the folks a little bit about yourself and what you do at Book Riot, what you like to read, etc.? Yeah, yeah. So I'm a big fan. I love listening to you and Amanda's <laughs> recommendations. And I feel a little intimidated because I always learn about new books from you folks. And I feel like I may not be up to the task, but I am going to do my best. So I, oh, what do I do at Book Right? So I am an editorial operations associate, meaning that I support our editorial team at Book Riot, um, working alongside Jen, you and supporting uh, all aspects of podcasts, newsletters, things like that. As a reader, I primarily identify as a poet. So my preferences tend to be very prosy, and I lean towards uh, literary fiction, memoirs. Mm. I love historical nonfiction, just the range of that. Right now, I'm really obsessed with the mycelial books right now. Anything with mushrooms and learning about the different uh, networks. What else? Oh, um, human behavior and design. I like learning about those sorts of things as well. And that's, I think that's my my reading profile in a nutshell. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is the first time we've had like an official poet come onto the show to give recommendations. So you'll be able to tell listeners I stacked the deck a little bit for that because we do get poetry questions and Amanda and I can answer them, but it's nice to have to have an expert of a kind um, to tell us. Yes. So, all right. Well, so how does this show work? You might be asking yourself. You can send in reading recommendation requests. They can be for you, for a gift for a friend and loved one. It can be for your book club or really whatever. You can send those in either via email, getbooked at bookriot.com, or you can put them in the form that's at the bottom of the show notes on the site for each episode. And we might answer it on the air. If you have a time-sensitive request, I do see that there are still a bunch of holiday ones in there. We'll do our best to get to those as quick as we can. Um, But if you have a time-sensitive request, please do put time-sensitive and the date you're hoping to hear back by in the subject line of the email or the very first line of the form. We'll try. And let's see, we have some feedback. Oh, wait, before I give the feedback, reminder that we do have one new podcast, Adaptation Nation, which is all about adaptations. So if you are a fan of seeing things come to the screen from a book, you will want to check that out. You can search for it in your podcatchers. Uh, The first two episodes are live. We did Dune and Casino Royale. Wheel of Time is coming up. All kinds of good stuff in there. Okay, now we'll do feedback. So Stephanie says, for the reader looking for a YA sci-fi, this 
suggestion is the Illumini files, if they enjoy Empress of a Thousand Skies, which I think was Amanda's recommendation. So the Illumini files is mega corporate driven interplanetary war investigation by teens all told in letters and documents. The audiobook version is really well done and it's a completed trilogy. So thank you, Stephanie. I'm going to read our first question and then we will take an ad break and we will get with the recommending. So the first question is from Sydney who says, my mom is giving my brother and his wife a Hawaiian getaway as a Christmas present. There's no way I can top that, nor would my wallet allow me to try. So I would like to give my sister-in-law some tropical bee treats to take on the trip. I was already thinking people we met on vacation. She likes Taylor Jenkins read novels and appreciates a good thriller. I'm thinking something that's summer Hallmark movie meets Gone Girl. I'd love for the setting to be Hawaii, but would be happy with any tropical vacation setting. All right, so let's hear from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Avid Reader Press. So this next book is a really fun sounding mashup of different genres. There's a little time travel, a little romance, a little spy thriller action going on. So in the near future, a civil servant is offered the salary of her dreams and is shortly afterward told what project she'll be working on. A recently established government ministry is gathering quote unquote expats from across history to establish whether time travel is feasible for the body, but also for the fabric of space time. This is an exquisitely original and feverishly fun fusion of genres and ideas. The Ministry of Time by Colleen Bradley asks, what does it mean to defy history when history is living in your house? Colleen Bradley's answer is a blazing, unforgettable testament to what we owe each other in a changing world. It kind of gives Outlander meets Cloud Atlas or If the Time Traveler's Rife was written by Sally Rooney or Colson Whitehead. Make sure to check out The Ministry of Time by Colleen Bradley. And thanks again to Avid Reader Press for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Flatiron Books, publisher of 888 Love and the Divine Burden of Numbers by Abraham Chang. So this is an interesting love story. It's great for fans of Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow and High Fidelity. It's set in the mid-90s at NYU. And it follows young Wang, who has gotten the advice of love through Chinese numerology from his uncle. So he believes that he will have seven great loves in his life. And then he meets Irena in 95 and she's like the best. She's brilliant, charismatic, quick-witted, funny. They fall in love. But the thing is, she's number six. So if he is to have seven great loves, does that mean his time with Elena is going to come to an end? So this is a love letter to Western pop culture, Eastern traditions, and being a first-generation New Yorker. Make sure to check it out. And thanks again to Flatiron Books, publisher of 888 Love and the Divine Burden of Numbers by Abraham Chang for sponsoring this episode. So Charity, what do you have for a vacation in Hawaii beach read? Mm, I love this one because um, for context, I'm from Hawaii. I was born and raised there and I went to school there. So I feel deeply connected to mm. this question <laughs> and this uh, request. And I also think it's such a great gift idea. I mean, who doesn't want a, you know, a, a book as a gift? So mm. I, I love that. Okay, so my preference, normally when I recommend any book about Hawaii is to seek out a native Hawaiian author. I had difficulty finding one in this particular genre. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. But I found Daughters of Fire by Tom Peake. It was suggested to me by my friends at Kona Bay Books, who I'd recommend. Sydney, if your uh, sister-in-law and brother are on the Big Island, uh, they're on the Kona side. Anyway, the the folks at Kona Bay Books say that this one is a best-selling favorite, and a lot of visitors really enjoy it. I think it has everything you're looking for in terms of a contemporary thriller, in a tropical setting. You have romance, intrigue, myth, murder. It takes place over the span of a, a couple weeks. It's about 16 days on the Big Island. And there's a Hawaiian-born protagonist named Miley. Uh, she's an anthropologist. And I think it's it's really interesting. Um, and what I find really important about books about Hawaii is how particularly this book touches on some of the very real land right issues, mm. things that are questions of ownership, issues that are that have been happening, are happening currently in places like Mauna Kea on the Big Island. Anyway, I feel really connected to that part of the book. And it's part it's part romance, it's mystery, it's a uh, political thriller, social commentary, even a little speculative fiction. So you have a little bit of everything in there. And I also wanted to mention, so it's not in the Taylor Jenkins Reid vein, um, but there's some other really great Native Hawaiian authors who I'd recommend um, also picking up. Uh, these authors are Kawi Hart Hemmings, Kavai Strong Washburn. They have really great stories that I think provide this like more nuanced, uh, complex view of Hawaii that I think is really important as well. Awesome. Yeah. What about you, Jen? I, well, first, I need to pick up that your book recommendation. <laughs> that sounds great. And I'm not going on a beach vacation, but I can pretend. Uh, yeah, <laughs> my exactly. pick is actually, it is not exactly what you're looking for. But I, having been only once um, and really loving it, I always feel like, and, you know, Charity, obviously you touched on this. There's so much more going on in these places that sometimes we are just visitors there. And I think it can be really interesting and also important to know about that. And I read and loved mm-hmm. This is Paradise by Christiana Cajacavila. Mm-hmm. And it is short stories, which are great for beach reading. And it is by a native Hawaiian author. And they are such great stories. They're so interesting. They they jump around from like island to island and also mm-hmm. from protagonist to protagonist. So you get, you know, all kinds of there's like a tourist story. There's a like a very small, like rural personal life story for one of them and they all have like so such immersive settings even though they're they can be very short but they feel you know it's that bigger on the inside feeling that I love so much about Mm -hmm. short stories and there's also really interesting experimentation with voice in them so like one of the stories Mm -hmm. is told in a group voice and then the other ones you're inside one particular person's head and some the others you might jump around a little bit so it's just a really it's a really great collection and I think it would be very enjoyable really for anybody even though it's not you know quote unquote a beach read Mm. so again that's this is paradise by christiana kahakavila that's a great recommendation yeah i definitely plus one that (laughs) (laughs) all right so for our next question my mom loves all the books by eric larson it's the style of writing versus the specific subjects what are good comps? Thanks so much, Christine. Hmm. A good question. A yeah. good question. <laughs> yeah. What did, you like nonfiction. What did you have for this one? 
I like nonfiction. Admittedly, I so I'm not a big Eric Larson reader, but from what I know of his style, it's very approachable, sort of narrative, historical nonfiction, which which I do like, um, and I want to read more of. I was thinking of recommending Sarah Vowell and her mm. book, uh, her 2015 book, Lafayette in the Somewhat United States. I've heard great things about and her style is, is, is sort of humorous, insightful, um, you know, really approachable, which I think aligns a lot with, with Eric Larson's style. So this particular book, it's about Marquis de Lafayette, the Frenchman who came to America when he was 19 uh, to fight in the Revolutionary War. Bowell does her research. She visits historical sites. She does a pretty extensive job of just outlining all of Lafayette's adventures from the revolution to his return to the United States in 1824 and sort of beyond that. So, yeah, I think I think that you um, appreciate her writing and maybe would enjoy that that book. It's Lafayette in the Somewhat United States by Sarah Vowell. I can't hear Lafayette's name now without thinking of the Hamilton Lafayette. Like it just goes <laughs> off in my head every time. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Sarah Bell's great. Yeah, I went back and forth on this one because I kept changing my mind as to what I wanted to recommend. Mm. But I settled on The Black Count, Glory, Revolution, Betrayal, and The Real Count of Monte Cristo by mm. Tom Rice, which I loved. And I think the thing that makes this an Eric Larson comp is that it is like a deep dive into a sort of overlooked section or person in history, which Larson does a bunch of. The, mm. I will say a difference between Rice's style and Larson's style is that Rice brings himself into the narrative in a way that Larson never does. So you get to hear about like Rice going to France, trying to dig up documents, the struggles he had in getting a hold of them and finding out more about this person mm. who inspired, you know, one some of the greatest classics of our canon. And so, like, that's not exactly a one-to-one Eric Larson thing, but I think that anybody who enjoys Eric Larson's books would absolutely enjoy this, especially because the story, this is so wild. Like, I had no idea. Mm -hmm. So Alexander Dumas, the writer, was the son of Alex Dumas, who was, in fact, a Haitian-French person. His father Mm -hmm. uh, had a plantation in Haiti and Alex's mother was an enslaved woman and he was, you know, brought to France by his Mm. father eventually and like became part of the French aristocracy. And he was in, you know, part of Napoleon's forces and battled his way across Europe and the Middle East and, you know, fell prey to all of this politicking. And that story is part of what inspired The Count of Monte Cristo, which if you're a longtime listener, you know Mm. I love. And so finding out that background is super interesting. And you get this view into France, like this, like, you know, look at there were definitely people of color who were in all kinds of levels in uh, French life. And seeing more about that was something I had never read about. So it's it's eye-opening and and really readable in all of the good ways. Again, that is The Black Count by Tom Rice. Mm, I'm sold. I want to get it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm adding it to my TBR list right now. It's so good. I bet the audiobook is good too, if that's a thing that people like, because he is sort of yes. telling you the story of doing this research as he's also telling you Dumas' story himself. So it's good stuff. Mm. Yeah, I love the audiobooks. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Who doesn't love an audiobook? Except for me. I'm the only one. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> 
Um, all right. So our next question is from Sarah coming to us from Melbourne, Australia. Hello, Sarah. Uh, Sarah says, I just read Jane, a murder by Maggie Nelson. Mm. I loved the mixture of poetry, journal entries, general awesome Nelson writing. Just wondering if you can recommend anything of a similar style. I've already read the Argonauts and loved it. I struggled to read a book that is just poetry, but really enjoyed the way Nelson pulled it all together. So Charity, give us your expert poet opinion. <laughs> I know this is no pressure, no pressure. <laughs> no, I loved the Argonauts as well. And Maggie Nelson's style is just so approachable for folks that, that aren't, you know, they, they don't consider themselves poet readers. Mm. So I often will recommend Maggie Nelson's books uh, to folks that, you know, are wanting to enter into poetry, but don't know where to start. Now, in terms of like sort of genre bending, poetry, prose, hybrid writers, I think of Eileen Miles, uh, their collection Evolution, one of my favorites in terms of poetry. Um, But I think in terms of this, uh, Sarah's particular request, I'm thinking of their coming of age novel, Chelsea Girls, which I haven't read yet, but I know it blends fiction and memoir. And of course, Miles's signature fast paced, disarming style that is really reminiscent of Maggie Nelson. So I think they have a lot of parallels there. It's witty, stream of consciousness type of writing. Now there is, you know, content warnings and sex, drugs, rock and roll content. Um, So things related to to that in the memoir, the book. Mm. But I, I would recommend either Chelsea Girls or other books of Eileen Miles, um, Evolution even, as a way to enter into more of that style. I'm also thinking a close second recommendation would be an autobiography of Red by Ann Carson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you read that one? Yes. I love autobiography of Red. I did think about that before I went and picked something okay. else. That was on my short list. Okay. Yeah. It's like Ann Carson's writing also is like, I'm just thinking of styles that are similar to, to Maggie Nelson. I was also thinking of Carmen Maria Machado's In the Dream House. Mm. It's such a different approach to to and it's not even really poetry I would say that was uh that book is very much a memoir but it approaches it in a way that feels like a journal entry it feels like a an exercise in style like trying different modes and poetic devices to enter Mm. into a very personal and very heavy heavy experience I mean that in Machado's particular book she talks about um uh, domestic abuse, um, so that there is a content warning there, and her relationship with her partner, and 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 sort of her uh, healing through that. So um, yeah, content warning there. The other one I would recommend, uh, Ocean Vuong's "On Earth We're Briefly Gorgeous." Uh, it's a novel written by a poet. So Ocean Vuong is a is a is a poet as well, and very similarly, you can enter into it, and it's not just poems. It is a very prosaic interpretation of the memoir is it, or um I'm sorry not the memoir that is a novel so I really I really appreciate that about about that book so some some recommendations there <laughs> I let guests cheat obviously <laughs> because because they're only here for a short while so yes go go ahead and cheat to your heart's content thank you <laughs> yeah yeah what about you well, yeah. So I I ended up going with Citizen by Claudia Rankin uh, because it's so good. Oh, it's so mm. good. And when I was thinking about, you know, Great I love one. Maggie Nelson and I love Ann Carson and and some of these others. But I was thinking about specifically like I was thinking about the way that 
Nelson lays out things on the page. And mm. it, it while it's been a while since I picked up Citizen, in my head, that's it's similar. Like there are these sort of little essayettes interspersed with more, mm-hmm. you know, standard like poetry and then there's blends of both and that felt very similar I think to what I got out of Maggie Nelson so so that's why I ended up going with Citizen it's also obviously I think you know the first thing that you know about Citizen is that it is a meditation on race and being black in America Mm. and she covers so much ground I mean there's all of these different moments that stick out in my head and it's been years since I read this book but you know there's a there's a piece on the way that Serena Williams is treated uh, in the media and in sports. And then there's this encounter that Claudia has with somebody she's only ever spoken to on the phone who sees her in person for the first time. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we're talking, there's a memorial for victims of police shootings. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's really, there's a lot of heavy stuff in here. uh, So, you know, you're going to want to create space for that. But it's so beautifully written and it's so raw and honest but also polished in this way that I find hard to articulate like Rankin Mm. is just so good at word choice Mm -hmm. and I think it's just incredibly compelling and I think it really does appeal to anyone whether or not they feel quote-unquote comfortable reading poetry Mm. that's such a great pick Oh, that's such a good recommendation. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So that's Citizen, uh, an American lyric by Claudia Rankin. I did. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to give a shout out here also though, to the book of delights by Ross Gay, which are tiny, tiny mm-hmm. essays. And just as you might expect from the title full of delight and they have a poetry to them, even though they're definitely essays and Gay is a poet and he is so good. So that's another one that you should put on your on your long list there. I don't know if, if the audiobook has him reading, but I love hearing him read. He has mm. like the best, like most joyful, especially with this book. Yeah. Just like this pure joy that comes out. <laughs> and it's not always like some of it, it's 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 not always yeah. light, right? But it, it right. has that book has such levity in the sense mm-hmm. of like seeks that joy he finds it in the everyday the the minutiae and stuff and i i really love that about that book yeah yeah that's a great one too yeah awesome well let's move on to our next question and this question is from maria i am spending a month studying abroad in london and the rest of the uk so i'm looking for books not just set in london but revolving around the city if that makes sense something that will really introduce me to the city but preferably contemporary or historical fiction. Not much other than that. Thanks. All right. So <laughs> I I went to the part that said, to the part of the request that talked about introducing Maria to the city. Mm-hmm. I don't have a, a fiction pick for this. It's actually um, a collection of essays or stories. And it's Londoners by Craig Taylor. And I just feel like it, it this pick fits the bill of a Contemporary book that will introduce Maria to London. And it's a collection of 80 stories written by Londoners themselves. And then the title, I think it says it all. It's the days and nights of London now as told by those who love it, hate it, live it, left it, and long for it. (laughs) So it's not fiction, but it does take on a, a different, just like real life perspectives of the city, which I think Maria would appreciate. I also have a few fiction picks revolving around London area. 
that are, are some of my favorites. Uh, Brick Lane by Monica Ali, White Teeth by Zadie Smith, and then Bernadine uh, Evaristo's Girl, Woman, Other, mm. which are some of my top um, the <laughs> fiction picks that are London-based. But yeah, for my official recommendation, I would suggest Londoners by Craig Taylor. Yeah, it's an interesting question. I went a little sideways, so I'm glad that Charity you went a little more literal with your thing <laughs> um, to give Maria some options. The first book that pumped into my head because you know I I read this book well before I ever went to London, mm-hmm. but it really made me feel like I was there. It's Kraken by China Mievel, and this is urban fantasy. So it is mm. London plus weird, weird magic, because China Mievel's brain is like the strangest place, right? And it opens in London's Natural History Museum. There is a scientist there who specializes in squid, and he's doing this tour. And at the end of the tour is like the big coup de gratz, this giant squid. It's very rare. It's in a tank. And they get to that point in the tour and the squid is just like gone. It's just gone. And mm. there's no way for it to be gone. Like it's a it's a literal giant squid specimen. Like where could it go? Mm. So Billy, who's like a totally like normie norm scientist, right? Like he's he has he's very sure that like reality is a certain way, gets sucked into the magical underbelly of London and has and goes to all of these different neighborhoods and places in London and interacts with all of these different strange groups who are each part of some sort of supernatural part of London. Mm. And like, there's really interesting meditations on what it means to be part of a city. Like, that's the part of this Mm. book that I think spoke to me for this question is because it's so concerned with like, yeah, what does it mean to live in a city? What does it mean to be part of a city? What are the different experiences people have in that city? Mm-hmm. And it really dives into that. And then also it's got like action and magic and lots of squiddy stuff. And it's really, <laughs> it's really fun. I will say <laughs> there's like some gory bits uh, because Mabel also can go to dark places. But yeah, it's it's super interesting. And I really enjoyed it back when I read it. And I think it would be a really fun thing mm-hmm. to read while you were actually in London because you could go to some of those neighborhoods and like imagine what if. Uh, so that's mm. Kraken by China Meeble. I like that direction. I like where you went with that. <laughs> I always go somewhere entertaining. If, if to no one else but me, that's possible. But yeah, it's a good one. Yeah. It would be funny to read those in um in uh, tandem or just in oh, conversation yeah. with one another, you know, like oh, a, so a more literal and more abstract <laughs> interpretations. <laughs> that's very cool. Yeah, yeah, that would be so. Okay, so there you go, Maria. You should do a read along. Do do both of them. Not <laughs> like you don't have other things to do. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's take another sponsor break. Today's episode is brought to you by Bloom Books. Diana Dixon has a busy summer and no time for tall, gorgeous hockey player Shane's shenanigans. Because you know what? If they shenan once, they'll shenan again. So she thinks she knows exactly who he is when he moves into her apartment building. But turns out Shane's sick of hookups and tired of being on the rebound after his long-term girlfriend called it quits. But when his ex comes back into the picture, he needs a plan. And who better to play his new girlfriend than his sassy new neighbor? So a a fake relationship might be perfect for Diana's own ex issues, but Diana is used to living by the rules. Will she learn that when it comes to love, rules are meant 
to be broken. Make sure to check out The Dixon Rule by L. Kennedy. L. Kennedy is a New York Times and USA Today bestselling author with over a million copies of her books sold. So this is going to be another banger, y'all. Make sure to check it out. And thanks again to Bloom Books for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Disney Books. Do y'all like Caribbean mythology? What's more, a thriller inspired by Caribbean mythology? If you do, I got something for you. A must-read thriller that draws from the darkest corners of Caribbean mythology from acclaimed author Sarah Das, who crafts a chilling tale of magic, murder, and how far we'll go to protect what's ours. It's perfect for fans of Angeline Bully and Tiffany D. Jackson. So, unlike other people on the small island of St. Virgil, Selena Da Silva does not believe in magic. She has a logical mind. She likes botany. She wants to study pharmacology. But then her mother gets sick and she's tethered to the island and she has to make money. So what does she do? She cons a couple gullible tourists with these useless talismans and phony protection rituals. But then one of the tourists ends up dead and at the center of a strange string of murders. And the truth Selena has been denying can no longer be avoided. There is evil lurking in the forest that surrounds St. Virgil. Now to find out what that evil is, make sure to pick up It Waits in the Forest by Sarah Das. And thanks again to Disney Books for sponsoring this episode. Okay, so question five is from Nomi, who says, looking for wrecks of queer poetry, specifically, I'd love to read about bisexuality, with which with some nice flower emojis around it. Mm. Any poet that wrote about their attraction to multiple genders I'm interested in, as long as it's focused on pride and not shame, it's mm. not always fun or welcoming out there, and I need some beautiful words. I'm very new to the genre and pretty much never read any of it, but I want to. All right, Charity, what is your pick for this one? So my pick for Nomi is You're the Most Beautiful Thing That Happened by Arissa White. And White's writing is extraordinary. Um, This collection has been described as, quote, a reworking, re-envisioning, and re-embodying of language as a conduit for art, love, and understanding. I love that description of a book. Mm. But anyway, I, I thought of Arissa White in terms of Uh, Nomi's question of focusing on pride and, you know, welcoming and reclaiming. Mm. And in this book, White reclaims, one of the ways that she reclaims um, language is like in her titles, which are translations of euphemisms for the word gay in different languages. And you know, the, um, I haven't read the collection in its entirety, but I've heard readers and, and other poets and peers liken it to a love letter, a love letter to the to the queer community and particularly to the to the queer of color community. I like it has that way of holding you and, and White's mm. writing really does and poetry does have that way. And there's an element of grief and heaviness to the collection, uh, particularly in the middle section. There's a section dedicated uh, to Arissa White's uh, cousin, Karen, who passed away in 2000 from AIDS. But there is this joy and tenderness that's found in, in White's poetry that I think will resonate um, with Nomi and, and sort of what you're looking for. So my pick is You're the Most Beautiful Thing That Happened by Arissa White. That sounds lovely. Yeah. 
I went with June Jordan, who I have just mm. recently started reading and who does very much speak to the experience of falling in and out of love and sexuality with with both men and women. I'm hopping right now through her collection, Directed by Desire, which is actually, mm. I believe, everything, if I'm if I'm understanding correctly. It's got an introduction from Adrian Rich that's really lovely. And it is, wow, there's just so so, so much in here. I mean, June Jordan is an icon in the poetry world who, mm-hmm. you know, I am just recently coming to understand more about because I'm, I'm not new here, but a, 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 a sporadic visitor, shall we say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's so good. And she, you know, she's writing about so many different things. In addition to love and desire, mm-hmm. she's writing about, you know, what it means to be a black woman in America. She's writing mm-hmm. about politics. She's, you know, there's a hilarious like response to one of Eminem's songs in there. Like she's very in conversation with the world. But I think mm-hmm. I, I like this idea of joy and tenderness, Charity, that, that mm-hmm. you refer to with Arissa White, because I think that that's what June Jordan has also mm-hmm. is that, you know, whether she's tackling really heavy things or just what it's like to fall in love with somebody, there is a lot of tenderness and a great deal of joy. And mm-hmm. I think I think you'll find so much to love here. So, mm. yeah. So that's uh, directed by Desire by June Jordan. I'm also going to drop in the show notes. There's an auto straddle post that has a bunch of other uh, poets that you might find interesting. And so it's a it's a great reference for for moving farther afield as well. Yeah, that's a great idea. And yeah, June Jordan, iconic, definitely great pick, great selection. <laughs> right there. Yeah, I love it. All right. So our next question. Oh, it's a Christmas question. Okay. So books for Christmas. Hello, longtime listener and first time write-in. I'll do my best to keep this short and sweet. I'm a big believer in giving the gift of books, especially uh, to children. With that, I'm constantly questioning what kids are into, what my boys are into, the hit new books for kids, what they will find captivating and fun, what will excite them. By the end, I'm always left feeling questionable about what I chose. So this year I'm seeking help. I have two different boys that I buy for my godson and my nephew. My godson is the sunshine of my life. He's 10 years old, an incredibly unique kid. He likes everything from puppets to Legos, Harry Potter. He collects different nutcrackers, plays chess. The kid is 10. (laughs) He loves Minecraft, loves to read and write and knows weird random facts. This kid is great. Some books that I know he has read are the Captain Underpants series and the Dogman series. Uh, Okay, my nephew is also the light of my life is 11 years old and a bit harder to shop for. He loves snakes, baseball and video games. His favorite subjects in school are science and math. He's quiet and reserved. And in the past, I've given him children's books on snake, a box set of doll books. I have no idea if you've read any of the box books. When they were younger, I usually focused on more educational type books. However, with them getting older, I'm starting to focus on books that will bring out their creativity and imagination and simply keep any interest in books and reading. Thank you for your time and help and happy holidays. And that's from Jenny G. Yeah, so so this is a good one. We split it up because, you know, it's a, <laughs> a two parter. Yes. And so Charity, uh, you took the 10 year old godson. Yes, the 10-year-old godson who likes um, Harry Potter. And I just love uh, Jenny's enthusiasm for sh- and, <laughs> and um, 
interest in in shopping for the two children in her life and how invested she is in in getting the re- getting the right book for them. So really appreciate that. And the my recommendation would be for the Witch Boy series by Molly Knox uh, Ostertag. And it just seems like a really fun series for what seems to be a really fun kid. I thought of it not only for its element of, of magic, but also for uh, your godson's wonderfully unique qualities, which seem to align with the main character of this series, Aster. So The Witch Boy is a middle grade graphic novel series. It's a trilogy, I believe. And um, it's about a magical family. And traditionally, the boys grow up to be shapeshifters. The girls grow up to be witches. But Aster's drawn more towards the witchcraft. And a situation comes up in the book where a boy in their community goes missing. And he's actually given an opportunity to use some of the witchcraft that he's been teaching himself. It's a fun fantasy-filled adventure And it also addresses more meaningful themes like gender constructs, acceptance, belonging, that I think would really resonate with uh, your godson. So my pick is The Witch Boy, and it's a series by Molly Knox Ostertag. I love Ostertag's work. That's a great recommendation. Yeah, beautiful, really beautiful illustrations, too. I love the graphic novels. Yes, yes, the art is so fun. Uh, let's see. So I took my nephew who loves snakes and baseball and science <laughs> and math. A little bit harder for sure, but I am proud of my recommendation. It is Paula Santiago and the River of Tears by Taylor K. Mejia. And mm. this is about a 12-year-old named Paula Santiago, as you might have guessed from the title. And she is a very sciencey brained main character, which is part of why I picked it. Like she's obsessed with space. And she like loves science and she really doesn't think that there's like anything more to the world. And so, for example, she's embarrassed because her mom is always telling the kids to stay away from the local river, um, not just because, you know, there's like, oh, somebody drowned a few years ago. But also there's the story of La Llorona, which is a ghost woman who mm. you know wanders the banks of the river at night. And Paula is like, that's not real. But okay, like, fine, safety first. But then uh, (laughs) she gets a new telescope. And the best place to test it out is near the river. So that's what she does. And everything, you know, unfurls from there. And she's got to go on this big adventure that is, you know, puts her into a world where there's so much more going on than what Mm. she thought. And I thought that this would be a fun pick for this nephew, both because, you know, it does have a protagonist that he might feel be able to identify with as somebody else who loves the sciences. Um, but also it's just like, it's fun. It's fast paced. There's a great story. There's a lot going on. It is the start of a series. Um, and this is part of the amazing Rick Riordan presents publications, which, mm. you know, we're recommending right and left when we get the opportunity there. Mm-hmm. They're such enjoyable reads. So again, that is Paula Santiago and the river of tears by Taylor K. Mejia. That sounds like a great one. I love the Lorona um, uh, tie-in there with the mythology. That's that's really fun. Yeah, good stuff. All right. So our last question is from Mallory, who says, "I'm currently reading The Making of Asian America by Erica Lee and loving it. I'm looking for comparable fiction recommendations that would make good companion reading. I think I have a good handle on Asian American fiction writers, but would love to read Asian diasporic fiction." from other places, especially Cuba, Central, and South America. 
So <laughs> I picked this question because I was like, oh, I've read The Making of Asian America. I can definitely <laughs> come up with things. But then the more I like tried to drill into specifically, you know, the Cuban or Central and South American Asian diaspora experience, like mm-hmm. the harder time I had. So this this one was a struggle. I don't know, Charity, what was your experience finding a book for this? I was going to say you saved the hardest for last because that I had a lot of trouble with this one as well. And I also was thinking when I first saw the questions like, oh, yeah, definitely. I could think of something. And my pick is actually I ended up choosing uh, Kat Chow's Seeing Ghosts. And mm. I know it's it's not fiction. It's a memoir. So it doesn't necessarily, you know, directly answer the question, <laughs> Mallory's <laughs> question or recommendation. Um a request, sorry. But I, I really enjoyed this book. It has an Asian diasporic element. Um, Chow traces her Chinese American lineage from China and Hong Kong to Cuba in the US over three generations. Again, it's not fiction, but it is beautiful and at times a really aching and complex book that confronts, you know, the grief of losing not only a loved one, um, so in this case, a brother, a mother, and, and a mother, uh, but also the, the particular loss of cultural and and historical uprootedness that I personally coming myself from, um, you know, a family of immigrants, um, Asian American immigrants, like I can relate to and, and that I imagine Erica Lee touches on in some form in her book, and that uh, Mallory's sort of looking for with this question. So that is why I recommended Seeing Ghosts by Kat Chow. I feel like you had you maybe had a better um grasp on this though what, what's your well <laughs> I I could not get to Cuba Central or South America so I apologize and obviously as always if anybody listening knows of something that would fit uh please do send in your feedback and we'll we'll talk about it on the next show but mm-hmm. I did find you an Australian Asian diaspora writer. So I am recommending 100 Days by Alice Pung, which was originally brought to my attention by Kelly Jensen, who used to be on the HeyYA podcast. And this, I think this works in a couple of different ways. It is technically YA, but it's like definitely crossover adult uh, focused. And Pung also writes memoirs, which I think is interesting because if you wanted to go in that direction would definitely be a good choice. 100 Days is about Karuna, who is 16 and pregnant, and her mother, who is a Chinese Filipino um, and, you know, came to Australia, married a white Australian man. She is very freaked out by the whole situation to the point where she basically confines Karuna to their uh, housing commission flat for 100 days, which is part of a tradition, but not not meant to be used like this necessarily. And to like protect her from the outside world and also to make sure she can't get into any trouble. So, you know, content warnings here for emotional um, and physical abuse. It's it's a very, it's not a healthy relationship that like for mm-hmm. sure. Um, but it's very much about what does it mean to be, you know, an immigrant and how do you bring your heritage with you? What fears are you bringing with you and how do they manifest? And mm-hmm. like this intergenerational trauma stuff, which I think is so present mm-hmm. in so many of these situations. And it's very easy to dismiss the fears of an older generation. Mm-hmm. But when 
you know, Karuna, especially like it's not okay what her mother's doing, but when she starts to learn more about why, she reaches a new understanding of her mother and a new relationship with her mother. And also is finding out like who she wants to be as a person and a mother in the world. So, you know, heavy, like intense read, but definitely one that I think is going to be an interesting one, especially for this particular question. Uh, So yeah, so that's 100 Days by Alice Pung. And again, if y'all have Asian diaspora writings outside of the US, we would love to hear your picks for those. So and thank you to you and to Kelly for the the Alice Pung recommendation. That's a great one. I'm going to add yeah. that to my list as well. Yeah, I'm waiting for my library hold to come in because it sounds really intense and definitely like something I want to read my way through. So the reviews are kind of incredible. And that's our show. <laughs> we did it. Yay. Yay. Thank you so much, Charity, for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jen. And this is really fun. Thank you all for the great questions. Yes, but. always <laughs> always with the good questions. Yeah. Uh, thanks also go out to Jen Zink, our amazing sound mm-hmm. editor. And to our sponsors who help make the show possible. Uh, let's see. If you would like to send us feedback, questions, et cetera, whatever, you can do that. Get booked at bookriot.com. If you would be so inclined as to leave a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts, that would be super awesome. We do appreciate that. It helps other people to find the show. And then in between shows, Charity, where can people look for you? Oh, um, they can <laughs> on my website, charityeyoro.com. Yeah. And I have all my social socials on there. <laughs> all the things on there. Yeah. Excellent. Yes. Uh, yeah, and you can find me, as per usual, on Twitter and Tumblr at Jen IRL, J-E-N-N-I-R-L, or on Instagram as I am Jen IRL, and we will talk to you next time. Bye.